My dear brothers and sisters, I've been pondering a curious question. Have you ever cleaned an attic or rummaged through an old storeroom? One discovers a bit of history and a whole lot of sentiment. A few weeks ago, we cleaned out and literally emptied the attic of our mountain cabin. Seventy years of treasures, each with its own special memory, passed in review. Leading the parade was an old wooden high chair with iron wheels. It was followed by glass milk bottles that once had pasteboard caps. And then came an issue of Life magazine from World War II. Featured in the magazine was the account of a proud airplane, a once mighty bomber that had been found years after the war, rather well preserved in an isolated corner of the vast Sahara Desert. The bomber and its crew had participated during the war in the famed air raids over Romania's Ploesti oil fields. The anti-aircraft fire was accurate, and a shell burst struck the craft, completely destroying its navigational and its communications equipment. The limping plane headed for the safety of its desert landing field, but en route, a sudden desert sandstorm erupted, which obliterated every point of reference and shrouded in sand the airport, the runway, and the lights which were to guide the plane to safety. On and on it droned, deep into the vast stretches of the forbidden desert, settling at last on the Sahara, never to fly again. Every member of the crew perished. Home and the safety and security there to be found had been forever denied. Victory, hopes, dreams, all had been swallowed by the stillness of the desert dust. Centuries earlier, a righteous and faithful father by the name of Lehi took his family into this same desert wilderness. He, however, traveled in response to the voice of the Lord. And the Lord did not decree that his flight would be undertaken without heavenly help. The words of Nephi describe how that help was provided on the morning of their departure into the desert. And it came to pass that as my father arose in the morning and went forth to the tent door, to his great astonishment, he beheld on the ground a round ball of curious workmanship, and it was of fine brass. And within the ball were two spindles, and one of them pointed the direction we should go into the wilderness. Now war and man-made means of destruction could not confuse or destroy that curious compass. Neither could the sudden desert sandstorms render useless its navigational power. As the prophet Alma explained, this Leahona, as it was called, was a compass, and it worked for them according to their faith, 
and pointed the way they should go. Now just as the Lord provided a Leahona to Lehi, that same Lord provides for you and for me a rare and priceless gift. It will give direction to our lives. It will point out the hazards in our journey. It will chart our course and give us safe passage to our heavenly home. The gift to which I refer is your patriarchal blessing. Your blessing. Yours and yours alone. It will be as a Leahona to point you to your heavenly home. It is available to every worthy member of the Church. Patriarchal Blessings wrote the First Presidency in a letter to State Presidents, contemplate an inspired declaration of the lineage of the recipient. And when motivated by the Spirit, a prophetic and inspired statement of the life's mission of the recipient, together with such promises, cautions, admonitions, which would be helpful in the fulfillment of that life's mission, it being understood that all promises are conditioned on obedience to the gospel of the Lord, whose servant the patriarch is. Who is a patriarch? Who is this man blessed with such seership and prophetic powers? How is he called? The Council of the Twelve Apostles has a special responsibility in the calling of patriarchs. From my experience in that quorum, I declare that patriarchs are called of God by prophecy. How else would our Heavenly Father reveal those to whom such prophetic powers are to be given? Patriarchs occupy an office in the Melchizedek priesthood. The patriarchal office is one of blessing and not one of administration. I declare solemnly that I have never called a patriarch but what I have felt the directional guidance of our Heavenly Father. Let me share with you just one treasured experience. Years ago, I received an assignment to a conference in Logan, Utah. A patriarch was to be called. As I arrived and met with the priesthood leadership, I knew the man who should be named as that patriarch. I wrote his name on a slip of white paper placed it in my scriptures, and went forward with the affairs of the conference. I discovered that an ordained patriarch from one of the stakes in Idaho had moved to Logan. He was sustained to give blessings in that stake, and no additional patriarch was needed, and none was called. I think it must have been 10 or 11 years later that I received another assignment to attend a conference in Logan. Again, a patriarch was to be called. For some curious reason, I opened my briefcase prior to my journey to Logan and removed the set of scriptures, the new set which I had been using, and instead turned to my bookcase shelf and took an old set of scriptures not used for years, put them in the briefcase, made my journey to Logan. There with the stake presidency, I pondered the requirements of a patriarch, a beloved man, a blameless servant of the Lord. 
I took my Bible from the briefcase to read to the brethren the epistle of Paul to Timothy, outlining the duties and qualifications of a bishop. As I did so, I noticed that white slip of paper with the name written on it, Cecil B. Kenner. I said to the stake presidency, by chance does Cecil B. Kenner live in this area? The members of the presidency smiled. They said, Brother Monson, Cecil B. Kenner lives in this stake, and had you asked us our nomination concerning who should be ordained a patriarch, he would have been our nominee. Needless to say, during that weekend, Cecil B. Kenner was interviewed, sustained, and ordained a patriarch in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. When I think of patriarchs, the thought goes through my mind time and time again. Patriarchs, they must be humble men. They must be students of the scriptures. They stand before God as the means whereby the blessings of heaven can flow from that eternal source to the recipient on whose head rest the hands of the patriarch. The patriarch may not be a man of letters, a possessor of worldly wealth, or a holder of distinguished office. However, he must be blessed with priesthood power and personal purity to reach unto heaven for inspiration and guidance. A patriarch must be a man of God, and coupled with that, a man of faith, a man filled with compassion, a man of integrity, a man of prayer. Your patriarchal blessing is actually a personal revelation to you, the recipient. A white line right down the center of the road to motivate, to inspire, to encourage activity and faithfulness. Your patriarchal blessing contains chapters out of your book of eternal possibilities. I use the word eternal advisedly, for just as life is eternal, so a patriarchal blessing is eternal. Those promises not fulfilled in this life may well be fulfilled in the next. We do not govern God's timetable. Remember the word of the Lord, for my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Your patriarchal blessing, actually, is not to be tucked away in a corner, neatly folded. It is not to be published. It is not to be framed. Your blessing is to be read. It is to be cherished. It is to be followed. It may be short. It may be long. It may be simple, it may be profound. Length and language do not a patriarchal blessing make. It is the spirit of the blessing 
which provides the meaning. Your patriarchal blessing will protect you. Unlike that injured and crippled airplane of which I have spoken, traveling to a direction it knew not whence, destroyed by the dust of the desert, the sands and the storms of life will not destroy you on your eternal flight. As I have indicated, your patriarchal blessing will be a liahona to chart your course and to guide your way. I love the writings of Lewis Carroll, that classic Alice in Wonderland. You'll remember that Alice was traveling a pathway, and then she came to an abrupt end, and two pathways diverged in opposite directions. Right at the crossroads, she encountered the Cheshire Cat, of whom she asked, which path shall I follow? The cat answers, that depends where you want to go. If you don't know where you want to go, it doesn't really matter which path you follow. We as Latter-day Saints know where we want to go, and we know which path we must follow. For the path we pursue in this life will surely lead to the path we shall travel in the next. Patience may be required as we watch and wait, wonder and sometimes pray concerning the fulfillment of our promises in the patriarchal blessings we have received. Many years ago, there sat in my office a wonderful and faithful patriarch. As he sat next to my desk, I noticed he had tears in his eyes. He explained that he had just come back from the land of Poland, where he had given patriarchal blessings to our worthy members in that nation. He paused and then added, I gave patriarchal blessings to members of a German-speaking family. I made promises in those blessings which are impossible of fulfillment. I promised missions, he said. I promised temple ceilings. None of these things is available. What shall I do? What can I say? I tried to hold back those promises as they came to my mind and as they flowed from my lips, but it was no use. They tumbled out as I pronounced the blessings. He was now sobbing. I put my arm around his shoulder and said, Brother Fetzer, you are a righteous patriarch. You did not make those promises in and of yourself. Those promises were inspired by Almighty God. Let's you and I kneel down here on the carpet by the side of the desk and let's petition our Heavenly Father to bring to fulfillment in his own way the special promises he has prompted you to make. We prayed. Years later, to the astonishment of the Western world, 
A pact was signed between the Federal Republic of Germany and the land of Poland, which permitted German-speaking nationals who had been trapped in Poland at the end of the war to change their residences to the western part of Germany. This family to whom the blessings had been given, the Konitz family, moved from Poland and settled in the city of Hamm in the area of Dortmund. I had the opportunity to ordain Brother Konitz a bishop and set him apart to preside in the Hamm ward of the Dortmund stake. Not long after, the family journeyed to that beautiful temple in Zollikofen, Switzerland, and there within the walls of that magnificent building, they dressed in clothing of spotless white. They knelt at a sacred altar. They awaited that special sealing ceremony which would unite mother and father, sons and daughters for all eternity as well as time. He who was to perform that sealing was the temple president of the Switzerland temple. But more than this, it happened to be Percy K. Fetzer, the same man who as a patriarch years before had bestowed those special promises in the patriarchal blessings he had given. Patriarchs are close to God, promises which at that time seemed impossible of fulfillment. Since patriarchs are close to God, and this patriarch particularly, I thought of the words, how far is heaven? It's not very far. When you live close to God, it's right where you are. Your patriarchal blessing is your passport to peace in this life. It is a liahona of light to guide you unerringly to your heavenly home. Of these truths I testify in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen.